0: Hey, 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 everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Talk Cash or Don't Speak podcast. I'm your host, John Odebo also known as Johnny Debs. Hope you're ready for today's episode. Let's get it. People, you are tuned into a rant-style personal finance podcast. If you're looking for someone to get in your face about personal finance and investing topics, I'm definitely your guy. The motto on this show is talk, cash or don't speak. All right. So I'm sitting here with Janine Denny-Mazzelli. People these days are calling her JDM. I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe like ATM, if you keep having a successful year. You like that? JDM? Yeah, that's,
1: HM. that's better than JDM. I like that.
0: That's the first time I've dropped that too. These things, they just they just come to me. Um, but Janine is a coworker of mine, absolutely crushing it. Um, first day of work, pretty much. She asked me how much I'm making. So we clicked right away. Uh, I call her the local salary transparent street of Okta. Janine, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here. Never been on a podcast before, so I'm super excited to be on yours for the first time
0: well maybe it's the first of many you can you can start putting the portfolio together
1: i'll I'll get started on that
0: yeah yeah so janine right away you established yourself as someone to me that was like all right money is important to her she wants to talk about it she's transparent about it she's curious always trying to learn more what um i guess what what even got you started in like caring about money, right? Like most people just avoid the topic altogether. You're actually bringing up the subject to other people. What, what started that curiosity with you?
1: That's a great question. I'd say there's kind of two pieces of it. One was when I was younger and didn't grow up in the best financial household. My mom did what she could, but wasn't in the best state. And I wanted to take dance classes. And so in order (laughs) to do that, I started working for my mom's flower business. So I'd work all summer, and she helped teach me how to budget so that I'd be able to afford the dance classes and make what I earned during the summer last all year. Through that, I learned a lot about the value of money, how long it takes to to make it like $10 an hour. So as a 14-year-old, that was great. By 18, I was thinking I could be making more. So that really taught me the initial value of money. And then going back to my most recent previous employer, before we started working together, I was being severely underpaid and slowly (laughs) learned through social media, things like salary transparency, like you were talking about, that I was being underpaid by about $25,000 in just a base salary per year. And then got curious because if I hadn't started asking around, you never know.
0: Yeah. You thought you were underpaid compared to your coworkers or just like based on your experience in in tech sales and and just like life and where you are at
1: more of the life piece i knew all my coworkers were making the same amount but then as people slowly started leaving they were being very transparent with me about what they were making at new companies yeah and i'm pretty blown away about how much you can make in technology
0: okay perfect that makes sense were you living in san diego then
1: I was living in Seattle for most of COVID with the previous employer, and then I moved to San Diego and was here for about two and a half months on the previous salary before I moved companies.
0: Gotcha. So for the listeners, Janine chooses really expensive places to live. <laughs> High cost of living sure. spots where that 25000 might actually matter a whole bunch.
1: Yes. Where? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. So it was 14 when you started like getting curious, and like you said, learned the value of money?
1: So I'd say I started dancing when I was 10 years old, and from like 10 to 14, it's obviously kind of child labor if you're working, so my (laughs) grandparents were pitching in, but once I hit 14, I wanted to take on bigger teams and be part of a much more expensive outlet, and essentially didn't have a way to pay for it. And Mm -hmm. so I started working for my mom's business full time over the summer, kind of here and there throughout the school year and really learned how to budget there and would go to the mall with friends and didn't want to spend money because I knew that that was a dance class or that was part of a costume I was gonna need. And through that realized how hard it was at that time to earn money. Um, Now I think work smarter work don't work harder. But at that time, it was, this is how much it's going to take in order to pay the bills that I wanted to pay.
0: That's awesome. You know, it's funny that you mentioned it's like child labor, right? Working that young, sometimes low key, but you can, there's like a little hack and I forget who said, forget who, oh, you know what? I interviewed for Paychex, Uh, the 401k and financial services company. And then they do like payroll and stuff like that too. And I sat in, I did a ride along and I watched this guy basically pitch these small business owners that you can start an IRA for your kids at like a super young age. And, and you can basically like supercharge their retirement. You could be, you could be starting work at 18, 19, 22, whatever, and already have maybe like 40 K put away or something like that.
1: That's pretty unreal. Yeah. All those little loopholes, you don't, I, I feel like I've learned about over the past two and a half years, like I've heard of that, but I didn't realize it was actually real. Yeah. How old were you when you started working,
0: I think my first job was sixteen. Okay. Um, and I worked at a golf course, and I was uh, I was just telling someone this the other day, but like when I when I was a kid, I saw my parents saving money. I saw my mom putting little quarters away, whatever change you could get, into like a little piggy bank, and then at the end of the year, like twice a year, we'd go put that away in the bank, and it'd be like twenty dollars, fifty dollars. And to me as a kid at 16, and also this is what, 20 years ago almost. So, well, no, sorry, maybe like 15 years ago, but $50 is a lot. Now, now $50, not so much. Um, if, you gotta, if you're going to donate money to a homeless person on the street, which I know you guys have a lot of in San Diego and Seattle, you might as well <laughs> just give them a 50.
1: <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's definitely a much bigger amount, especially- i mean that's worth 10 percent less over just the past year
0: yeah exactly and so i i like saw them putting money away so i always learned to just save some money right there which is good it's a good lesson i don't know if many of my peers in in the area that i grew up in had that but yeah um cool so what uh how'd you even decide your were you always in tech sales what what was your career aspirations when you were in in college
1: Great question. So when I was in college, I was part of essentially an urban planning community development major. So my idea was to eventually go back to school and become a nutritionist dietitian. So I was taking some science and some community development intern for the city of Seattle working on food waste prevention. So absolutely nothing similar to what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, Really burnt myself out during college in addition to like working a part-time job for the city as an internship. I was president of my sorority, which was about another 10 to 15 hours a week in addition to classes. So overdid it and decided to move to Australia. So when I got over there, I was working some very casual jobs. I was working as a kitchen hand. I worked in a bar and then got a job as a travel agent. So, this was my first real taste of sales outside of just your typical retail job. I worked at Nike. And when I was a travel agent, I was pretty good at it. And I really liked the perks. I liked that I had control over how much money I was making, where if I did better than other people or I put in a little bit more effort than everybody else was, I was going to very directly see that impact. And I did that for just around a year until COVID hit. And overnight, Travel agents became very obsolete and ended up moving (laughs) back to Seattle mid-pandemic and was unemployed for a few months, applied for every job you can possibly imagine. And then I found a job as a sales development rep for a company that sold software to hotels. So it's kind of still in that travel industry niche, gave me the ability to still talk to people about travel like I wanted to, but then started developing some actual sales skills got promoted there after a couple months to the equivalent of an account executive. And then about eight months after that switched over to Opta, which it's now been almost 10 months. Very cool. That's how I ended up in sales path.
0: Yeah. That's funny. Everybody has their story. Right. But, um, and then for everybody who's curious, Janine is actually crushing it too. I hate, I don't really like throwing out compliments like that. I don't know why, you know, But, but I will throw it out when it's warranted and sales is that kind of space where, The harder you work, well, if it works right, the harder you work work or the the smarter you work right, the more results you're going to have. And then the more money you're going to make, which is is absolutely dope there. Cool. Cool. So when you started to get into sales and started to see like variable income, were you still budgeting based on like base salary? How did that work? Because I feel like budgeting is something that is unheard of for most people in general, sadly enough. Us. Who make a variable income one year maybe 60 the next year maybe double that right um it's extremely important so how did you start going about that
1: so the first taste into i guess when i was a travel agent i was not budgeting at all i was simply just saving as much as i possibly could i had really low costs so mm-hmm. i was able to save then during when i got the first job um, as an sdr i had kind of spent some I mean, during COVID, like everyone ended up on TikTok, lots of scrolling, ended up on <laughs> investment talk, and learned about Roth IRAs for the first time, which I was eligible for because of the income level I was making. So yeah. I decided my goal would be to max that out. So that was basically my first goal in 2020 was to max out a Roth IRA.
0: At six thousand dollars. Or was it like five, five back then? Uh, I
1: think it was still six. Okay. Five, five or six, same thing. And then 2021, I got promoted a couple months in, similar goal, basically wanted to just max that out and start saving to make sure I could move um, somewhere sunnier than Seattle. Yes. ended up in San Diego. (laughs) So the real budgeting didn't really kick in until this past, honestly, earlier this year. So early 2022, once I was pretty deep into working at Okta and I was making more than I ever had before and was kind of at a point like I don't know basically what to do with all of this and need to make sure I'm not overspending I had made a couple pretty high-priced items at Nike and just done a little more shopping than I should have so yeah
0: what was it? End of Q1, Q2, when you're like, I just bought two pairs of shoes or something like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, bought two yeah. pairs of shoes, two <laughs> sweatpants. Yeah, it's like a $500 order at Nike. It was more than I definitely spent before.
0: But you're still buying the sweatpants at Nike. You haven't gotten that luxury taste and moved up to like Lululemon or Vi- Viore or something like that.
1: I buy most things at Lululemon, but okay, okay. I, I destroy, so I didn't wanna gotcha. I didn't wanna spend the hundred and fifty bucks on them. I'll bu- I'll buy anything else at Lululemon.
0: It's kind of crazy how expensive things are at Nike still though. Like I see a pair of like uh, joggers that I like, and they're like eighty, and I'm like, eighty for Nike? Like what are we talking about?
1: Yeah, their shoes worth it. Like, yeah, for those, sure. Those two pairs of shoes I told you about, hundred bucks each, so still not bad.
0: Yeah, that's smart. There you go. Cool. And then, so you started tracking your money more around that time.
1: So yeah, around end of Q1, which for us was May, April, April. Um, I kind of realized that I could probably hit my financial goal that I had originally set to hit by 30 this year, and Boom. So, which what? I did as of two days ago, hit my goal, my net worth goal that I had set for 30, two days ago, which is pretty cool for
0: years. What was ago. that net worth goal? If you don't 100K. mind sharing, what?
1: 100K, 100K was my net worth. Goal.
0: My goal 100. was a million by 30 and I'm not going to get there for the record. So it's that's okay. a
1: great goal too. Yeah. I think that's, that's a high goal.
0: It is, but you I think you've got to set higher goals because now you've hit yours. So what have you done that, to change that?
1: So I, over the past actually 48 hours have been, doing some of my own math to try and figure out what that next goal realistically is and what stretches. But in May, I kind of realized if I kept this up, I could probably hit that goal this year and needed to one, just see where I was spending my money. I know I'm a pretty heavy spender when it comes to grocery shopping. My cabinets compared to my roommates are stacked full of stuff. (laughs) I like cold brew which is way more expensive <laughs> than your regular hot hot of coffee so created myself a budget sort of just spreadsheet that I started adding every single transaction to I spend everything I actually over the past 48 hours also discovered I had a debit card but did not um don't use it I use credit cards for everything so it made tracking extremely easy
0: mm-hmm. same yeah
1: And then was able to see where I was spending my money. And then since then have built out a, this is my budget for each category. So since May, which is about one, two, three, four. It's been about five months of tracking.
0: Yeah, very cool. Um, Yeah, I think, so why do you go spreadsheet versus like Mint or just relying on the credit cards?
1: So I have used Mint before and it's probably just user error, but I didn't like how... So for example, when I go out to eat with a group of friends and we only put stuff on one card, mm-hmm. I tend to be the one that puts my card down one because yeah. I want credit card points Two, I just like to be able to see the receipt and just make sure sh- like really make sure everything looks right. Yeah. And with mint, I was struggling to figure out how to be like, no, I didn't actually spend $200. Uh, I yeah, Only $30. So I didn't want it to be linked to a bank account. Mm-hmm. I am kind of more interested in finding some sort of an app because it's a lot easier to just do it on the go right yeah. now. I'm sitting down every couple of days, going through my statements, seeing where I spent what. Um, so I went with a more manual process for now, Yeah. Sheer laziness and probably user error. What do you use right now for budgeting?
0: I, I use a mix of mint and the credit cards. I've built the spreadsheets, but like what you just mentioned, I don't one, I don't consider myself that good at Excel. And I don't love manually having to go in there and, and add things and then change my budget. And, uh, and also it, things will get more complicated is kind of for us, right? Like, well, not necessarily for us, but like for anybody, as you get through life, things are gonna become more complicated. And so like over the last two months since I bought the house, like I don't have a new budget. Like I've, I've been spending like crazy to, find, to furnish the house. I've been tracking everything more or less just to write them off for taxes, but- right. um, I, I have no idea how much I've spent over the last two months and then probably for the rest of September as well. It's, it's been very stressful because also I've been traveling a lot and then I just don't have the time to sit down and manually do that. So yeah. I'm going to rely on mint or my credit card to kind of get, get back up to that. But I like my credit cards because between them, usually you can just go in there and look. And I know pretty much exactly how much I spend down to the dollar like over the last like three, four years. And when I ask people that and they're like, I don't know how much I spent, I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know if I can go per category like you could, but like mm-hmm. if I think back to 2018, I was considering getting the Chase Sapphire Reserve, my first like luxury credit card. That's and the four hundred dollar
1: annual it's fee. It's
0: five fifty.
1: Okay.
0: Five fifty. They upped it from like five. It might actually be like six now. But I, I also call every year and tell them I'm gonna leave, and then they reduce the annual fee because <laughs> I will fucking leave. <laughs> I will fucking leave if I need to to prove a point, I, so they give you like a $300 travel credit. Yeah. And then I think it's 550 because it's like 250 on top of that. That's not accounted for. So what they normally do is waive that 250. And then they say like the 300, you're getting right back right away through travel credit. I'm like, fair enough. Cool.
1: But if they do you use,
0: uh, chase Sapphire reserve.
1: Okay.
0: Amex gold. That's a new one. Um, I can, I can use that for grocery shopping. Before that, I used the Bank of America cash back rewards, which is for grocery shopping and gas, where you get 3% on one of them and 2% on the other.
1: Oh, okay. That was like my
0: first credit card. And, um, that, and I had the relationship with Bank of America. So that, that's like where I first got into like the points game, maybe back in like 2016, because I had no credit like most people. Um, and then my next card after that was the Visa Bank of America travel rewards which is like 1.5% back on all spending except travel where it is 3%, I think. So okay. I was like pretty happy to get 3% back on travel. Yeah. And then I would use that. And you can, it's really easy to uh, re, 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 reimburse yourself there. You basically just like pay yourself back in points or you can use it to pay for other stuff. Those were very simple. The Chase Sapphire Reserve was my next card then i went apple then i got an apple card last year and then this year i got a different chase card just because i wanted the points and the sign up bonus so it was like $250 sign up bonus yeah i think that's the chase sapphire or no i think that's the chase like everyday or freedom unlimited is what that one is okay so there's no annual fee and then i got the amex gold when i realized i was spending like $500 a month on groceries. And that alone would cover the $250 annual fee of the Amex gold. And then there was a sign-up bonus of between 800 to a thousand dollars, depending on how you redeem it. So that's free money right there, right? Like, yeah, so I, I probably have too many cards, honestly, but I don't know, because I know some people who have way more. Um, when I went to apply for my mortgage, they were like, what's this American express inquiry? I'm like, what do you th- fucking think American Express is inquiring for? I, I got a new fucking card. Because um, I kind of just decided like last minute to get a house, so I, I wasn't really planning in advance.
1: really last minute getting a house.
0: Yes, yes. That well, I I started looking and then I'm well because interest rates started going up. Okay, right, you probably have the same situation there in California, but here in Denver, people were bidding overpriced. I am mm-hmm. never ever unless it's like my dream house and I'm a millionaire, multi-millionaire because the million ain't shit. But uh, a multimillionaire where I'm like comfortable, I'm not bidding over for a house. Like I, I just don't see property like that. I just want the investment portion of it. And if it's not paying me, then I don't consider it an investment. I'd rather put that money, 10000 20000 200000 whatever you're going to put down for a house into a savings account or uh, not a savings account, uh, the stock market.
1: Yeah. Okay. Hmm.
0: So that's my card breakdown there. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of lengthy there, but- So I use that. And um, so like back in 2018, I was like, wow, I spent like $8,000 on travel this year. Now I'm going to get the Chase Sapphire Reserve. I did a lot of traveling, but like I went to Vegas twice. One of those was for work. Went to Miami, spent way too much in fucking Miami. Um, Went to Austin once for work and I was using my personal card. I didn't have a corporate card. So that that helped as well.
1: Oh, so then a card like that is going to be worth it, both helping you see what you're spending and- Reaping some of the benefits from it.
0: Yeah. I really like the reporting more on the Bank of America cards than the Chase because they'll they'll break it down via category and they'll show you your cash flow each month and such like that. So
1: that's that's funny. I feel exactly the opposite. Really? I really enjoy Chase's user interface on their app and online.
0: For tracking the spending and everything? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So what are your next couple goals then? What what what's what's lined up for Janine?
1: One would definitely be looking into buying property within the next one to two years. I want to get a much more solid down payment saved up, so all of my extra cash flow is going straight into the stock market right now. Since I have my emergency fund very built up, um, so working towards that. Um, ideally, I would hopefully buy in San Diego. However, as I'm sure you're somewhat aware, the housing market's pretty absurd anything you really want to get here you're looking at minimum a million dollars for something that does yeah. extensive work so that's one of the goals i'm currently trying to figure out what my next net worth sort of goal is going to be mm-hmm. i would love to hit a million by 30 but i don't know if that's realistic that'll probably be my stretch
0: how old are you now
1: i just turned 26
0: four years well so 26 that's like five years right or four four years that's not, that's not bad. That's not unrealistic, especially with like stock options and stuff. Yeah. Like the ESPP, uh-huh. uh, Okta is very low right now. So we are buying it in, at, we are buying at such a low price, right. Um, very true. For, for the ESPP, the stock options. Like I said, the other day, I was like, we ain't never retiring off of those. <laughs> it's
1: not a loss until you sell.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So that's like a war chest that you can totally kind of forget about that will grow in the background i i mean i i believe in our company and i believe that it's going to grow and and go up and over time and
1: i do too as well as as you move up within the company you get additional options here and there or i don't know the exact language around it but it's definitely something that can be a little nest egg for the future and hopefully within four years it'll be worth a lot more than it's worth right now it it would be crazy to think that
0: our company would triple in stock size but like when we joined, I think you It was probably like 240 for you, right? You joined like a week before it's me. 70,
1: so it's down about 73% since I joined.
0: Exactly. So the idea of it like tripling or so, right? Like it's it's down at like 70 dollars per share. It needs to almost triple to go back to where it was before, or almost quadruple. Is that so unrealistic over like a four year period? Because that if that quadruples, if all your ESPP that quadruples right there.
1: Very true. And yeah. I mean, if it can go down that much, I think it can go up that much. I'm definitely still learning about the stock market and yeah. how everything actually works. Um, I don't know if you looked at Octa's earnings call, but it was a really positive one. Right, I know. The stock price goes down. So I was pretty, that's something that I, goes right above my head.
0: They basically, I think the market kind of overreacted, but anybody that knows the space, people that are using Octa are like, you guys are the best in class, right? Like if when your biggest competitor is Microsoft, you're doing something right. Cause Microsoft is one of the biggest tech companies in the world, probably like top three right now, I think. So, I mean, the market just overreacted to the news that like we're having trouble merging the sales teams and stuff, which I don't really, I, I think the the general guidance that we put out to the public was a little more conservative, which is good. Right. And that's, that's the, I think probably the way to go, but people don't like to hear that stuff necessarily. Um, it is. It, it was kind of an overreaction, but I, I don't know really where that reaction came from. Also, something to look at is when companies are like publicly traded. Who owns the stock? Is it more of a retail stock, like something like Tesla or something, or is it more institutionally held? And Okta is more institutionally held. Not that I have a buddy. When I um, when I went back to St. Louis, he's like, I feel like you're always working for these small tech companies I haven't heard of. I'm like. We're a billion dollar company. If you haven't heard of us, that's your problem. What company do you fucking work for again? <laughs> but I didn't say that. I was just like, yeah, I was like, we're pretty big. Like you use it a lot. People might not just know on the back end of like MOB.com or Peloton or something. When I worked at Autodesk, that's a, like a huge tech company. been around since 1986. No one's ever heard of them because it's very engineer and architecture specific. People who are engineers and architects like, no way I learned that in college. So it just, it just depends, right? It's just a different type. It's like Adobe, but like we all know Adobe because everybody thinks they're a graphic designer in some manner.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. That's, that's very accurate. Well, I'd say one of my, not one of my favorite things, but something I like about Opta is when I meet someone new and they're like, where do you work? And I say Opta and they're like, oh, I use Opta.
0: Yeah, I do. I do love that too.
1: I'm sure you do I'm sure you have and I'm sure you've used it in places you don't even
0: know it's- there you go exactly yeah. yeah so cool um so in terms of like building out your career what are your what are your thoughts on that and what are your thoughts like you're involved in like uh, the woman in Okta type of situation mm-hmm. what are your thoughts as like a female in like a kind of predominant tech is majority men right like I don't know if we can say that these days all the time but like what are your thoughts there? and building your career and we'll say a male dominated world. I think that the parody is getting better, but yeah.
1: That's a great question. And actually something I am very recently working on specifically at Okta. So there's a very small group of us that are starting up sort of a women in sales specifically. So okay. be able to talk about it. We're again, still very new, but things of see talking to women that have made, work their way up to enterprise sales in a segment where you and I currently work, it's a lot more split in my experience between men and women. I feel like on the sales floor in the office, there's a lot of women around and that's super great. But as you move up segment, women slowly start. I mean, and this is from my understanding, just part of it anyway, is women leave the workplace as they get older. Again, that's changing, but Something to kind of understand is just where it goes, trying to figure out what opportunities are there for women and what struggles specifically you're going to encounter as a woman in sales. Mm -hmm. There's very free, I mean, on a daily basis, I join a Zoom call and I'm the only woman in the room of five different men that work in IT or engineering at various companies. So there's definitely more of a male dominated place. I'd say in most cases, I feel like I get the same level of respect. There's definitely been a few exceptions to that in my career so far at Okta. But as far as career goals specifically go, definitely want to work towards moving up segment, working with bigger companies and potentially move into management. But I feel like there's still a lot of uncertainties of whether I want to manage people. A little while ago I mentioned how I like having control over how much I earn. Yeah. And when you move into management, you have a lot less control because it's based Absolutely. on five, six, seven people if they have control over what they make. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that quite answers your question.
0: Yeah, I think I think that answers my question a little bit because I think it is a debate, right? You're you're at twenty-six and it's hard to tell if you want to go into people management or if you want to just stay. And I uh, I see individual contributor path and continue making money. I'm dealing with the same thing. I, I I thought I wanted to go into management and just work my way up to VP. My goal was to get to like a CRO level at a startup so I could hit the jackpot in terms of equity. Don't really have interest in being a CRO of like a big company that's already established. The point is to get some equity uh, and then have that company do really well, take it to IPO. That's what I was like thinking you have to deal with so much bullshit of like middle management, four or five layers, potentially climbing your way up. I just, and I say bullshit because I don't know, it's, it's middle management. And <laughs> I don't, that's not exactly what I want to do. Having pressure above you. And then you have to push that pressure down, but
1: yeah. I don't know. It, it sounds like a lot. I've always been a, This sounds cheesy when you say it, but natural leader. Like I just want to take on leadership roles in yeah. different things. I want to help people. Gets to better places, but I don't know if that path involves management, the more that I learn about it. And maybe it means it doesn't involve management in sales. Maybe it involves it in something else. But I think as of right now in a sales career, I see individual contributor as the main yeah. way to make money and have that work-life balance that I want.
0: It also doesn't necessarily mean management right now, right? Like you, you, so I think some people probably hit like We'll say just for a rough estimate of age, like 31, 32, where they start getting married or something, and then they uh, they have kids and they want more stability. Because as you move up to enterprise sales, that's more travel. And we've been traveling a shit ton this year already. Um, I don't know right. if all companies travel as much for managers, but usually that's more of like a, a stable role. You also have more stability in terms of salary. So there's not that huge fluctuation. So I think that's some of the, some of the reason that pushes people into management
1: that's a really good point. And for me specifically, I'm still very uncertain on the kid front. I mean, I'm 26, so I'm still young. I have time to make that decision, but I like love to get married, but children are very uncertain. So in a way there might be more opportunities as other men and women in their thirties are looking to take on more chill roles. There might be more opportunities to jump ahead as an individual contributor. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think um, that's a perfect segue right here to talk about this article. Uh, I sent it to you and I think I posted it on on the Instagram, but it's basically it was a, a Bloomberg article talking about how women who stay single and, and choose not to have kids are, are having a higher wealth income or a, what, a higher wealth net worth than even men. It's one that they were saying they're getting richer, but it was like they're getting richer than men who are also choosing to be single and such. What were uh, your thoughts on that article? I'd love to hear your thoughts at first. Then we can kind of dive into like some of the other aspects of of that whole situation.
1: I thought it was a really thought-provoking article. There were a lot of strong statements in there. And I didn't have time to look into where they were pulling all of the data from. But as far as women who choose to stay single without children being quite literally wealthier than men is fascinating to me because there's I mean, as you're aware, there's a wealth disparity. Women are traditionally paid less than men. So I found that very interesting. Makes me wonder about pieces of are women better at budgeting? Are what are what steps are these women actually taking to make them wealthier than single men? Yeah. In the end. And then on a Different No, I texted you about this. I was pretty blown away that it costs about $300,000 to raise a child from zero to through the age. So until they hit 18 years old, I had the number 100K in my head, which was probably the number from when I was like a tiny child. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. If you're having two or three kids, imagine what that three to million dollars could be doing in the stock market for you as far as building wealth.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of torn on kids too, only from a financial perspective in my mind. I think I won't Go ahead.
1: No, that's interesting. No, keep going. That's interesting.
0: I'm, I'm super fucking selfish right now. As anybody who kind of knows me knows, I I don't know if it's selfish, but like, I also promote selfishness in your twenties. Why not?
1: I support that. I think you should be selfish in your twenties.
0: I think, I think society wants to, well, this is like the whole debate of like millennials are killing this industry. Millennials are killing that industry. Right. But like, okay, boomers, like you guys are going to blame us for anything. Anyway, we're doing life differently and we're probably happier than you fuckers. Right. Like.
1: (laughs) It's true. We're not trying to work every single day until we turn 65 and then retire when our bodies don't work. We're trying to figure out different ways to build wealth early so that you can enjoy your life at the same time and not
0: yeah and i think that's a fun debate because there are definitely lazy ass fucking uh 20 year olds 30 year olds my mind is my mindset is like grind in your 20s like absolutely grind as hard as you can because and you can be selfish because you most likely don't have those commitments of people yes. relying on you for your income and that's very lucky As as it gets older it'll be potentially kids potentially significant others potentially parents right like um and so that's why that's, I guess what I mean of like being selfish in your 20s, focus on yourself, work those 12 hour days. If you don't want to work the 12 hour days, go travel and everything too, but like do whatever you need to do. But like, I also, I talk about money all day and it's talk cash or don't speak. So I think you should be focusing this time on getting your money up because as soon as you get to your thirties, it's going to be harder or you're just going to be a miss. You're going to have missed out on like five to 10 years of earnings.
1: One of the best things I learned from again, probably TikTok is how much farther ahead you can be by starting investing in your twenties versus in your thirties. If you invest hundred dollars a month in your twenties and then $200 a month in your thirties, you typically are literally not going to catch up to that 20 year old because of compound interest and how time is going to benefit you. So I agree completely. Your twenties are time to kind of put your head down, figure out what's going to make sense for you. And especially in what it sounds like both of our situations are like, make as much as you can. Yeah, And ideally, I mean, I want to set myself up where I don't necessarily need to be making as much income as I am now because I have enough invested that I'm going to be perfectly fine for the rest of my life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So when I hear that kids cost 300,000, it's like, all right, I was an only child. So if I have kids, The only reason I wouldn't is because I want to retire early, and they low-key set me back from that. I'm selfish now, but I do think I'll probably want kids, and I hope, whatever, I'll just instill that winner mindset to uh, (laughs) my kids. (laughs) That's so toxic. But uh, it's like, okay, from the financial perspective, every kid costs money, and I don't want to be an only child. I was only, or sorry, I was an only child. I don't want to have only children. Uh,
1: I don't know if you know this. I'm also an only child, and I agree completely. I would never- I would not want to have an only child.
0: I remember we, we talked about that, and you're like, I wanted, I think you said you wanted a brother and a sister, right? Ideally, or something?
1: Um, I would be totally open. Oh. I could see adopting more than I can see having my oh. own. but in adopting either
0: case. Brothers and sisters, or when you're like an adult? Uh,
1: like just ad- adopting two kids. Oh, okay. Okay. But gender, not necessarily super specific. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. I wouldn't have just one, which means your cost. Like if you're thinking about it transactionally, is going to be minimum six hundred thousand dollars or so over the course of eighteen years.
0: Yeah. So the the study, the results of the study for for the listeners here said that single women without kids had about sixty five thousand dollars in wealth on average. Now, like you said, Janine, that's really interesting because it's like what age, right? Like they don't really share too much on the article there, and I didn't really dig much deeper. But that was fifty seven thousand for men who were single and didn't have kids. Then those women who are single mothers, $7,000. That is staggering. And then men with children, $59,000. I think the with children part is pretty easy to, to dig into because women are more likely to quit their jobs and take care of the, the kids. Mm-hmm. Men are more likely to be the provider. That's been over the past. We're starting to see a change now kind of, or or leveling out, but you can't make up that wealth difference overnight. So, so that definitely makes a sense. But, but for women doing seven, $8,000 better without children, it's like, Hmm, that's, that's interesting. And that's like society will also tell women that they're very selfish for not having kids.
1: Yes. Very selfish for not having kids. Also, you can be called selfish if you have kids, but also want a career. It's like though, what's classy if you're rich and not, if you're poor being a stay at home mom. If you're if you're rich, that's classy. If you're not rich, that's considered kind of trashy.
0: Yeah. And you and you can't do it anyway, right? You're gonna live off welfare and, or some shit.
1: Yeah, which is not gonna be enough to provide a good life for two kids. So it's it's a it's a big thought, especially for someone like you are, you or I, who is definitely generally more financially literate than the average person.
0: It's Absolutely. Until people, the people find the talk cash or don't speak podcast. It's what right? <laughs> Until they're not financially literate, until they there find the go. top cash or don't speak podcast.
1: Correct statement yeah. right there.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to debate because you guys have to debate whether, well, first of all, also, you possibly lose out on like a year of earnings when you're pregnant or you have the kid, depending on company benefits and all that too. So it's, you know, what's really interesting the other day, I heard a woman talking about, so there's a difference of, of benefits when you have maternity leave. Some companies will just pay you your salary. Some companies, well, we're in sales, right? So, what are they going to pay us? Our base salary, fifty percent of commission. Then you're losing money. Um, so it's that's also another thing to think about, right? Like you're you might have a maternity leave, but are you getting paid during your maternity leave?
1: I had never actually thought about that until earlier this week, I was talking to a different one of our coworkers who was like, yeah, I want to have kids in the next three to five years Yeah. and they work in sales. And as a woman, it's like, are you going to get paid your base salary or are you going to get paid what you should be earning? Yeah. Every sales job, you're going to have your on target earnings, which involves some form of commission. And usually that's what you want to actually be, be making enough money yeah do you take that loss and just scrape by or do you yeah it's just it's a lot more to think about
0: yeah I uh I talked about this in an episode probably a couple months ago but there's this woman who was going to have bonuses and all that and basically they only paid her 50 I think she was a higher earner like 300 400k something like that they were only going to pay her half of that while she was off on maternity leave so she wanted her and I forget if it was a husband or a boyfriend, okay. she wanted her She wanted her significant other to pay her the difference.
1: I've heard about this. I, I think I read this same. I don't remember if it was an article or what it was, but it I, was I it was a
0: Reddit post. Okay. And so I started sending that around to everybody. And I'm like, that's not who I'm having fucking kids with. From the male perspective, it's like, no, because we're going in this together, that extra money to me should go in a bucket towards the kid. Like if you're like, okay, pay the difference of my salary and that, We could, we could negotiate, right? Like if you're in a relationship with me, you're going to have to fucking negotiate, (laughs) but we could put that towards the kid. Why would I give that to you when we should be thinking about the next generation, our fucking offspring?
1: I think this is one of those situations where did they have combined finances or did they have individual finances? Yeah. Because if it was completely individual, I think it was a very valid statement. They were, it, they were,
0: they were individuals. They had different bank accounts and everything up to that point.
1: So then in that case, it kind of, like, I, I feel like there's more justification than there yeah. is in a different case, but maybe that's one reason you sign a prenup is this is what's going to happen. And this is where the money goes. A yeah. kid, so on.
0: I, I guess my concern with it was it's the wrong mindset. Like as, as a money guy, right? Like I don't want, like, you should totally get your money. Right. And I want to get my money too. But like, as soon as you start having that kid, you need to go into like, I guess it's still self-preservation mode a little bit, but like, let's think about the fucking kid. Uh, and that's, I guess that's the only thing that irked me. If it wasn't a kid, if it was a fucking dog or some shit that like, you don't have to nurture, I guess you're still nurturing the dog for like 15 years or some shit. But um, I was just like, I, I was like, put that money towards the kid is kind of what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, um, I like that.
0: But whatever. That's, uh, I, I like, I think that was a really good debate. Because like you said, you everything's separate now. And in the the comments I was reading, everybody was like, you're separate, right? So what 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 justification do you have to not pay them on, mm-hmm. on the on the guy's side? It sounds like you're complaining about this situation finally working against you a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of those, like you said, if you're in a relationship with you, you're gonna negotiate things. <laughs> and I think a lot of relationships are negotiating. Yeah especially when it comes to finances. I've never reached that point where I've had to get into those financial conversations, but they're, they can be uncomfortable. And yeah. that's what I hadn't really thought of before, of the man's not going to have as big of an impact on his career. As a woman, even just looking at the length of time you would take for a maternity leave, I think at Okta, it's something like 18 weeks. And for men, it's something like eight. Yeah. So that I, I again, those numbers might be off, but that ten week difference can make a big difference as far as finances go.
0: I think I have a benefit in the dating game of being able to talk about money and such because I'm I'm a guy. So when you go to talk about money, certain guys naturally are going to have more ego in that conversation, and so that's one hurdle that you're going to have to overcome. The second is if you're making more than the guy, I guess that's also still ego, but like you're going to have to talk about that, and they and they might lie, right? And then you might never get any true transparency on like how we are going to do as a, as a couple. But I think in general, like the, the ego will play in of like, oh, like if the guy is making more, they'll be like, I want to take charge of this stuff. But then like, what, what happens when the girl makes more, do you pay for more stuff or do they still pay for more? Cause of uh, cause that's what traditional courting looks like. So those are, those are just additional intricacies that you're going to have to navigate the money talk as when leading it as a, as a woman. I, that's just from my perspective.
1: I agree. And there's also a, I've experienced this, this sort of mindset of, well, if I can do it, like they should be able to do it. Women statistically or in general will have a harder time reaching a certain income threshold. So if I can do it, why, why aren't they doing it?
0: Yeah. Get your okay. money up, bum. Right. <laughs> that's what you're saying. No, I mean, there's that song, right? Like scrub by uh, TLC or someone, <laughs> do you know yeah. that song? Uh,
1: yeah. yeah. I live under a rock. Yes,
0: I know that song. Okay, so for years, women have been saying, don't come to me unless you have your money right, right? So uh, if a girl makes more, are you still gonna have that same mentality? I don't know, that's, that's. is there money right if they're making more than a median salary, but less than you? More things that you're gonna have to figure out as you start to have those more serious relationship date talks and stuff. But I don't know, I like talking about money on like the first date. But mm-hmm. again, I think if you're a girl and you bring that up, it might be a little different a guy might be like why is she talking about money all of a sudden and these motherfuckers might think she's a gold digger because she's talking about money on the first day Say, bitch no I'm worried about you go gold- them hey, gold-
1: Morgan diggers. you don't have enough I'm not worried about me
0: yeah and then it's like okay well they only want me for my money or the male ego is I mean I know this it's very well mine's not really fragile but the male ego is fragile trust me on that one so it's
1: and money's a hard topic for anyone. You have to get to like you mentioned at the beginning, one of the first if not the first day I met you, I asked you what you were making and we yeah. talked about money the first day. Took a long time of getting comfortable to just be upfront with someone about what they're making. But through those conversations, I've learned a lot more and when you bought your house, I asked you like are you okay sharing like how much you put down and what it that looked like and that breakdown gives me a lot more knowledge to go into my life that way but getting into those conversations whether it's with friends or relationships or coworkers, takes a while to get comfortable because we're basically taught don't talk about money right but if you don't talk about it you're not going to learn about it
0: yeah no it's fucking bullshit that's more of a boomer mindset there of like don't know what people are paying then that first of all i think everybody's like now that opens up the whole ability for minorities or women or anybody to be paid less than their their counterparts but also it gives you a chance to just measure where you're at and measure your goals. Someone just bought a house, but they make 150. I make 60, so I can't afford to buy a house like that, right? Like that—that that makes sense logically if you think about it logically. Emotion also comes into play, which is why this show is called "Talk Cash or Don't Speak." There is no room for emotions on this show. All right, That's moving true. on. We're talking about salary transparency, career progression. What uh, what are you doing outside of work? Any side hustles? Any any ideas for like business or entrepreneurial journeys?
1: It's a great, great topic. So I am currently not doing anything outside of my day job, just spending money, I'm not spending <laughs> any money outside of my day job right now. But I do have two sort of side hustles in mind. Um, I mentioned earlier I worked in the travel industry. I'd love to one day own a little hotel or a little hostel on the beach and be able to have that just make. Not even necessarily a large chunk of money, but some money on the side. Yeah. But something I see in the nearer term that I've been looking into for the past couple of months, haven't made huge steps on, but is becoming a certified financial planner. So I have learned a lot, um, especially through, I've focused more on women. So her first 100K on Instagram and TikTok and something called Elevest which is a financial planning firm specifically for women. I see a huge opportunity and gap where women are not one learning about money or planning money. Um, women also traditionally live longer than men, and most retirement yeah. schedules are built around a man's life expect- expectancy Ooh, I didn't know that. versus the woman's. Yes, very fascinating. Even though women will live five to 10 years longer yeah. and could end up with not enough money. Sure. So I've been looking into something like that to start as a side hustle. One day, I think it'd be cool to own my own business, but I'm definitely, I'd say five to 10 years away from doing that. I like the reliability of having a base salary right now, as well as commission, but I could see something like that forming over the next few years and focusing specifically on women and what they need to do in order to set themselves up individually and being able to take in mind kids and leaving the workplace and living longer than their male counterpart if they're in that kind of relationship.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I I have some thoughts there. One, the business situation, the more and more you talk about money, like you're doing, more and more of your friends might catch on to that or you'll just attract more people in that mindset. So I have like three or four buddies that are like, oh, we should do this. We should buy a car wash, right? We should do this. And these aren't things that I'm necessarily always thinking of myself, they're coming to me. And then we look into it and we're like, okay, a car wash is a million. Someone else the other day came to me and asked if I wanted to, or if we wanted to start looking into storage units. And we looked it up and it's like $4 million. And we're like, not, not right now. We're, we're, we're going to have to come back to that one. Cause these yeah. you don't have to buy them cash. You can get a loan, but totally. you have to put about like 10% down at least. So you will attract more people that are likely to potentially partner with you as well. And you don't have to have the business ideas or you can buy existing businesses that are already doing well. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. plug one more account for you. I think her name is Cody Sanchez. And she she's an entrepreneur on Instagram. She has a TikTok too. And hey. she what?
1: Okay, cool.
0: Oh yeah. And she posts about like buying car washes, buying laundromats, these cash businesses, and then just maybe like refurbishing them to the future or just making them a little more presentable. And uh, I mean, she's killing it. She also does Airbnbs and stuff too, but she's killing it, and that's when she first said, "Why would I start my own business?" There's already one that's working that businesses fail in the first two years, like they have a high six, a low success rate, high chance of failing in the first couple of years. Why not buy one that's been around and then you just add your expertise or that's marketing, branding. Uh, maybe you're a you're a, a a dollar cruncher. And so on the back end, accounting wise, you can find a way to make a little bit more profit. So that's another one. I think you'd probably really like that account
1: all right. I will definitely give that a look. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, and then okay, the financial planning, when are you gonna do that? That's an awesome side hustle because it'd be fun, but like you're selling your time for money still.
1: Yeah, that's it's a great question. It's definitely more another job where it's not gonna be making me money without me working.
0: Yeah.
1: It'd be the ultimate goal, is just having cash flow without having to do much. Yeah. But I also think it's something I would develop like get a lot of, I'd feel very rewarded being able yeah. to work. Directly with women in their financial planning. I mean, another option is getting getting that certification, starting a business and hiring people to actually do the work and just taking a portion of their profits. Yeah. There's always a way to eventually make it less work and it's more of an idea right now than it is an actual execution. Yeah. I, don't know, I want to do school on top of a full-time job in my twenties
0: yeah that's a grind too but especially when you're already making good money it's like why would i go back and do that but exactly it opens up options and and like you said there there's different ways right like maybe you start at first but then you just or you transition away from the workplace and you do that because it brings you more joy Mm -hmm. options
1: options are always good to keep open never throw all your eggs in one basket
0: yeah i agree i like that cool um well, Janine, how can people reach you? How can people find you? Follow the journey of uh, JDM, the ATM down in San Diego. You're going to have people sliding into your DMs being like, I heard they call you the ATM.
1: Me too. <laughs> if you slide into my D- ATMs like that, I'll definitely reply to you. Um, my And, and Instagram- you're going to give them money? Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> anybody money. Uh, my Instagram is Janini133. So give me a follow there. I have a TikTok, but I pretty much just spend time scrolling rather than posting right now. So I'm not going to plug that. Instagram is the best place to find me.
0: Awesome. Janine, thanks so so much for, wow, I don't even know what I just did there with my mouth, but thanks so much for hopping on and joining us on the show.